Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to the bigger picture with me, Sean Chung on Money FM 89.3. And this morning, I have the senior market strategist at Fullerton Markets, Louis Teo, with us. And he will be unpacking with us some of the stories that are coming out of China and the US, especially the US credit rating downgrade on Treasury yields. But before we go into that, let's first talk about the Chinese property market and the deflation. And uh, good morning, Louis. Morning, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. So let's uh, start the story there with Chinese deflation. Yep. Uh, so Chinese National Bank Bureau of Statistics reported that the consumer price index dropped to about 0.3% annually in July, tipping the Chinese yep. economy into a technical deflation. And uh, But of course, as reported in the Financial Times, Beijing is at least telling economists not to paint this recent data in unfavorable light. So what is your take on what's really happening here? Because it seems to be some conflict going on. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that is definitely a good question because we have seen the recent deflationary trend in China, right, CPI, which is definitely concerning. And for Beijing to, you know, to tell economies to uh, hide to re- uh, the hide the recent data or, you know, not mention the data in any of the reports is definitely uh, noteworthy. But what uh, we should take note of is that, you know, this Four in CPI could be temporary, right? Like what the uh, China policymaker is saying. And why are they trying to hide it is most likely because of the erosion in confidence, right? Because as much as even if this is a temporary event, if the confidence is eroded due to this one data, it could cause a domino effect down the line, right? So of course, uh, it's definitely for us, it's too early for us to say whether is it a structural issues, uh, you know, due to the real estate sector that is causing this deflationary pressure, right? But uh, I think we should monitor how the policymakers address these challenges, right, uh, moving forward. But, and if you look at the whole situation in China, it looks like the Chinese market has effectively lost a decade in their stock market. <laughs> look, there is some stimulus now, but mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of stimulus trickling in every week. We're hearing a lot of stories about this, but it doesn't seem to be enough because people don't seem to be very excited about it. And the reopening yep. seems a bit underwhelming. But is it really that underwhelming? Because it's not like the Chinese economy is falling apart at the seams. Because we look, we look at companies like Estee Lauder, for example. They are in the yep. consumer-facing side and, and they have 30% of the exposure in China. They're doing quite well. Uh, Starbucks, 48%, same, uh, you know, same store sales numbers increase. Nike, 19% in store growth. Las Vegas, cents in Macau. The numbers there are not too bad either. So... Yep. What are the pockets in China that are working since you've mentioned what is not? All right. So I think in China, we are seeing that a lot of other sectors are doing very well, right? Um, for example, like what you mentioned, the Starbucks or this consumer discretionary are doing pretty well. But I think overall, the, the real challenges in China right now, I think the, is the unemployment rate, right? So we saw that the youth unemployment rate is hitting 21%, right? Reaching a all-time high and China... Likewise, also mentioned not to, you know, they, that they are not going to review uh, this data anymore, right? Moving forward, I think demand, right, for this consumer discretionary will move lower due to this uh, youth unemployment move, moving higher as well. So I think that what we are seeing here is that China might be facing a bigger problem down the line if they are not going to solve or if they are unable to solve the unemployment issue. And all things being yeah. equal, if you look at the, the mm-hmm. currency markets, a 15% depreciation in the yuan relative to the dollar in the last year should 
have a similar should similarly increase its PPI inflation rate, but instead uh, it hasn't increased. In fact, it's dropped four percent. So why is it so profound this time? In theory, right, it should lead to a higher PPI inflation, right, due to the cost, uh, the increased cost of imports. But what we should be seeing is that the China's economic landscape is definitely more complex. Right, so we are seeing structural factors, uh, structural factors including overcapacity in some industries and the impact of supply chain disruptions definitely can offset this expected inflationary impact of currency depreciation. So, just to give you some context, right, the overcapacity in China's economy right now is worth a staggering twelve trillion dollars. So, this issue concentrated in sectors such as manufacturing, real estate, and infrastructure. This showcases right the dynamics at play in the Chinese economy. And in theory, right, uh, it should happen, but of course, just because of how complex the issue is, uh, it is not showing right now. Okay, and of course, so we see there's a lot of stumbling in the Chinese economy. If I may, could I draw comparisons to, let's say, what happened to Japan uh, 30 years ago? And for context for our listeners, Three decades ago, the Japanese economy faced a spell of weak growth, uh, decline in asset prices and housing trouble that was, I guess, can you say that it's similar to China's current scenario? Right? Is there a chance that this could repeat itself in China? Or maybe we shouldn't think that way and look at the recent episodes like Country Garden as just a canary in a coal mine? Okay, so I think comparing uh, China to Japan's uh, 1990s, the lost decade, right? I think I run call it the lost decade uh, that the, the uh, Japan faces. I think there are three reasons why, right, in China is slightly different, right? Because in China, they are one party, right? So they are able to make decisions a lot faster compared to Japan in 1990s, whereby it's very much decentralized in a political gridlock, right? So they are able, and China government has a history of intervening in the economy to stabilize market and prevent crises. So in that portion, definitely differ greatly. And next, China is definitely less reliant on exports than Japan. Japan, it was a major importer in the 1990s. And this actually makes China more resilient to external shocks. And of course, um, I think the issues like the country garden in China's property sector can be seen as a warning sign right now. But uh, we must understand that uh, it is very, very possible, like what we saw in China uh, Evergrande, uh, that they are able to come in, step in, and do a debt restructuring. Right? They are able to push stimulus if they want to right, in, a great, in greater amounts uh, to prevent crises from even happening. Yeah. And what I'm very puzzled about as well, you know, if normally when China catches a cold, as they say, the rest of the world will get the sniffles, right? Since it's the second largest economy in the world. But largely that has been brushed off in the past few months until now. So why is it so important now than previously when it was largely brushed off? Correct. So um, I think previously a lot of supply chains of companies such as the US, Europe are based in China. But in 2020, right, uh, we have been seeing a decrease, right? So in 2020, there was a 1.7% decrease. Uh, 2021, about 29 And uh, in 2022, right, we saw that uh, there was a 17.3% decrease in trade between US and China, right? Let's just talk about US and China. And the reasons why is because of uh, the trade war and, of course, the intellectual property tax, right, that was happening. And the US government was trying to prevent their supply chain from going to China. And this actually caused a momentous shift uh, for a lot of U.S. Uh, companies to move their supply chain to Vietnam, to other countries. And this actually helped, right, in, in this case, right, even as China's deflation is worsening, right, they might be releasing huge 
amounts of cheap goods to the market, but a lot of these companies are not being affected because they have already moved their supply chain out of China, right? So, which is why we are seeing that, hey, you know, the impact of China's deflation is not as impactful this time around. All right. Thanks very much for your insights anyway on the, on the <laughs> no Chinese problem. economy. All right. And uh, we are speaking with Louis Steele. He's a senior market strategist at Fullerton Markets. And uh, this is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.